as I say, I'm very thankful for Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb, who uh, were uh, walking along this journey with us uh, side by side. And I'm very thankful for uh, praying to mamas, <laughs> which, uh, oh my goodness, I remember the Easter that Barb called Cameron, and uh, gosh, we were living in St. John's, and my husband was not serving the Lord at that time, really didn't want anything to do with God and his plan. He wanted to make money and be something in the world. And uh, he was a little bit frustrated when he got the phone with his mom, and he's like, you will never believe what my mom just said to me. She had this dream that I was preaching side by side with my dad and said that was going to be me one day. I was like, you do it. You keep calling him, Mama. <laughs> because, because I know that he was called for greater things than the life that he was living at that time. And I knew that the man of God that I married would return to be the great man of God. Amen. Amen. So, whew. All right, I am going to pray too before I get started. I know a lot of people ask me this morning, are you nervous? I say, yes. <laughs> I was like, but that's okay, because that's how I know that it's God speaking and not me. If I wasn't nervous, we would all be in trouble. Because <laughs> you don't want to hear me. Trust me, you want God through me. Oh, Father God, Lord Jesus, I humbly come before you right now. Lord, just asking that your Holy Spirit would work in me work through me, that you would be my hands and feet, my every word, my every breath, every pause, Lord Jesus, that you would be in it all. Father God, we pray that the ceiling would be opened up to the heavens this morning, that you would rain down your love and your mercy. Oh, let us just be captivated by your spirit. Pray that when we leave this place, not a single one of us would leave the same as we came, Lord Jesus, that we would be forever better changed by you. Amen. Amen. So uh, thank you for inviting me back. <laughs> when uh, my father-in-law, Pastor Norm, called me in May, and he, uh, I believe it was May, he was setting speakers up so they could have a little reprieve, time off. And he said uh, that it was brought up during their meeting. Well, what about your daughter-in-law, Shannon? She want to come back and speak? So when he called me and asked me that, I said yes. And I had a feeling that was coming, which is a good thing. But uh, God told me, remain in me and continue to do what I've called you to do. This isn't a uh, one time you're going to speak and then you're done with it. This is something I've been building up in you for a lifetime. It's not over yet. And uh, Pastor Norm kept saying, I, you're not done. You're not done. <laughs> when I spoke, I was like, I know. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I'm still getting used to it. Um, <laughs> I, to be totally honest with you, so I came and I spoke uh, about freedom. I had this awesome freedom breakthrough. I still got it, but I have definitely still been tested at times, especially still finishing up the winter. And I've humbly asked for prayer. I said, look, like the devil wants to try to bring this back on me. And then I know when you experience something like that, you like are so afraid 
if you feel that you're pulled the other way because you don't want anybody to think that you're that God's not with you anymore that you've lost that blessing but that's just the devil's ploy to try to keep it in darkness instead of bringing it into the, his marvelous light where others can surround you encourage you pray for you so that you don't go down that rabbit hole so don't ever be afraid to ask it's all right we're all human here right all right so when pastor norm called and asked me about speaking uh i said i already know what i'm going to be speaking god gave me a message uh probably like the end of february beginning of march and uh he, first he gave me the title lord is that you and this then i started pondering okay lord is that you how do i share with others a freedom breakthrough for them how did i get to that point well i had to be able to hear and discern the voice of god in order to get to that point and then i was thinking like how did that all start for me well for me i have been able to hear from the lord and just love on him and let him love on me before i even knew his name from the time i was just a, a tiny thing in my bed i'd sing to him and love on him and he would get me through <laughs> and uh so i'm like well god that's not everybody's experience help me to show them how to get to that point if they're not there already and if they are there already we can always go deeper and deeper we can never have too much of god <laughs> right so the lord gave me this lord is that you and uh, i'm going to be talking about the four c's of discerning the voice of god number one numero uno is contradiction god will never ever 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 contradict himself or his word if what you are hearing does not line up with his word or it contradicts his word then it's not okay <laughs> so there are a lot of things that you might hear or think and, and you're, it does not line up there are, who knows there are some crazy idealists out there nowadays especially some of the times it's just like well we know that is crazy and that can't be from god but then the best lies have truth mixed in with them the devil is one really sneaky liar and he'll throw some truth in there but there are other things that god will tell us no 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 that's not right child <laughs> so number one contradiction in first john 4 1 god said beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god for many false prophets prophets have gone out into the world we are definitely living in a world with a lot of false prophets <laughs> so number one contradiction god will not contradict himself all right first one pretty quick number two confirmation Ooh, i had a little drink of this confirmation don't be afraid to ask god for confirmation if what you're hearing passes the first test doesn't contradict god's word but you're still not sure then ask god for confirmation confirmation can and will come in many different forms and the first thing that came to my mind was a uh, story of of gideon right like 
pretty much all of us, especially if we grow up in children's ministry and stuff, know the story of Gideon and throwing out the fleece. And uh, so I went through and I did a lot more studying on the story. I mean, I've heard it myself many times, but I wanted to uh, dive in deeper. And who here has found out that God's word goes deep? <laughs> and we could have one passage that there are so many things that God can reveal out of it. So when I first was doing this message, I was thinking I was going to talk about hearing from the Lord and discerning his voice. And there was like 20-some points. And I'm like, well, geez, that could take forever. <laughs> so God, help me narrow down to what it is that you need me to speak for this time. And then I told my husband, I understand now why you end up with so many series. Might not start that way, but you have one thing, and then it develops into many things as you delve deeper and deeper into God's word. So um, I'm going to be looking in Judges chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me, if you have your Bibles. And I'm just going to kind of surmise and give a little background um, on Gideon. So uh, in chapters 1 through 10, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase for you, okay? Uh, chapter 6 in Judges talks about how the Israelites had done evil in the Lord's sight. They ignored God's rules and went back to worshiping idols and other gods. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were very cruel people. It says that they were so numerous that when they would come into the land and set up tent, that they would devour everything. It'd be like a swarm of locusts, okay? So they have just tearn up this place. Anything that was planted, anything that was grown, any food, all their cattle, everything that they had to show for was gone, was taken up by the Midianites, and it left the Israelites in starvation. And then the Israelites did what many of us do when we realize that we've walked away from the Lord or we're ignoring him. They said, Lord Jesus, we need you now, <laughs> right? Who's been in that situation? <laughs> yes, Mary, you're always honest. I love it. Yeah, we've all been there, right? And if you haven't been there, then I would wrestle with that <laughs> a little bit because we all come to a place where it's like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, and I need you now, so where can we go from here? And God is so very gracious, patient, loving, and merciful that no matter what it is we've done or what we've gone through, he's like, all right, I love you, child. Now that you're listening again, let's pick this back up and keep moving forward. All right, so that's just kind of paraphrasing for you. So now I am going to read from Judges 6, and I'm going to start in verse 11, and this is where Gideon comes on the scene. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. 
and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. In verse 17, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Then in verses 19 and 21, he prepares the offering, lays it out, is consumed by the angel of the Lord, and then the angel of the Lord disappears. So Gideon has now received his first confirmation that it is the Lord that he is hearing. So reading this story, I'm like, okay. So I suddenly had a very different picture of Gideon than what I used to have. So we watch a lot of movies in our household. One of our favorites is Gladiator. Okay, my picture of Gideon in my mind when I used to hear or read this story was that of Russell Crowe. Walking around like this, muscles, you know, muscles everywhere. He's got like all these battle wounds and he's just scarred up. He's got all this armor on. He's got a big sword. And uh, God showed me that was not Gideon. That is not how he found Gideon. You want to hear something super funny that I just found out? All right, my oldest son, KJ, was... Uh, watching this message online. I spoke the same message last Sunday at our church in Onaway. And uh, he's like, Mom, when you were talking about Gideon and you were picturing Russell Crowe, he says, at that very moment before you said that, I was picturing Russell Crowe from Gladiator in my mind. I was like, no way. He's like, and I laughed and I laughed so hard. He's like, I was all by myself, but man, I just kept on laughing. I was like, oh, that's my baby. He thinks just like his mama in some ways. So this is a little side note. It's funny. I could not share that with you. So here I used to think that Gideon's this big, strong, buff dude who's been through all these wars and battles. No. Gideon was first coming on the scene hiding. He was threshing wheat in a wine press, trying to store up and hide some food so that he didn't starve. He wasn't out on the battlefield. He wasn't knocking down giants. He was just a little shy guy <laughs> hiding. And in fact, when God first calls on him, he's like, me? Because my clan or my family, as it would be known to us more today, is the least of them all. And of the least of them all, I am the weakest and the least in my family. Here's the, you can't get lower than me. Why would you call me? Well, that's exactly what God does. God calls out the underdog. And I love an underdog story. Absolutely. And 
Those are the kinds of things that show you that it is God. Not the human, not the person that God calls. It's God working through who he calls, right? Those are the ones that really get your attention. So I am now going from, uh, you know, picturing the gladiator to being in the realization that this was just a shy kid, just a young man that was called out. He's like, oh, Lord, you're going to have to give me a sign. Am I just crazy? Have I been around some rotten wheat and I'm just fantasizing about something? And the cat said, no, it's me. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you confirmation. So there is his first confirmation. All right. Then the same night, the Lord said to him, I'm now in verse 25, I want you to take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Verse 27, so Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So he's, he's still not really feeling himself. <laughs> he's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you ask, but I'm going to do it at nighttime. And I'm going to do it in secret. So he's, he's testing things. When we first start out in stepping out in faith for God, you know, we can be super timid. And that's okay. Like, we're testing things out. But we all know that the more and more that God does through us, the more that it starts building up our confidence in knowing, okay, God, you are doing some awesome things because I can't believe you just did that. All right, so in verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, oh, sorry, I skipped that whole thing. So yeah, so that, he tore down the altars, all right? They'd been going back to worshiping Baal. They got the Asherah pole. It's like the Israelites just totally went and lost their mind, forgot that God just brought them up out of Egypt after all those years of slavery, trying to bring them into the promised land, and they just kept on stumbling. And then they went back to worshiping other gods. And God said, now wait, I'm going to do some really awesome things here, but first we're going to get this right. We are going to tear down those false idols. And we're going to start right where you need to be on solid foundation of the Lord, the God, the real God. Okay? And uh, <laughs> even you know, at that, so Gideon, like I said, did this at nighttime, did it in secret, um, hoping that, okay, hopefully nobody's going to kill me. Right? And uh, he wasn't exactly saying, it was me, I knocked on your idols. No, it was more like he got sold out. <laughs> and uh, then they're like, he's got to die. And Gideon's father, Joash, was like, hold it, wait a minute. This is my son. Y'all are kind of off your rocker right now. We don't need to kill him. And Joash says, if Baal is really a god, then let him take care of those things. Let him defend himself. All right? And just from taking that stand, I bet that uh, 
Gideon at that point was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Thank you, Daddy. I didn't want to die <laughs> for it. But then those are the moments where it's like, oh, Lord, you are awesome. You kept me safe in this just by stepping out and doing what you asked me to do. So now he's gaining more of the confidence of what God can do in him. So I am going to go down to verse 36 as we continue on the story with Gideon. <clears throat> Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Verse 38, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then 39. Ah, Gideon just still wasn't sure. <laughs> so 39. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, and all the ground was covered with dew. Now Gideon has received his second and third confirmation that he's hearing the voice of God clearly, and he's discerning that God is telling him, Israel will be saved by your hand. I've got work for you to do. So in this story, I used to think, not only did I think that he looked like Russell Crowe in The Gladiator, some big buff warrior dude. I also used to think, why is Gideon still questioning God at this point and what God's capable of doing? And then I realized Gideon wasn't questioning God. He was questioning what God could do through him. He was very unsure of himself. Still, thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, really, I'm not, I'm not worth much. I can think of uh, thousands of other great warriors that would be so much better at this than me. You know, if you're just the least of the least, you've probably spent most of your life listening to all the naysayers around you that said you're not really worth much. You're not very valuable. You're not capable of great things. Gideon was having to overcome his doubts in what the world was telling him and be more in sync with God and what God was calling him to do. There are going to be a whole lot of naysayers and in your ears all your life. I'm sure anybody sitting here today has already experienced those things. And even more so, when God is calling you to do great and mighty things through him, the devil's going to try even to be noisier, louder, and more distracting than ever. And that's when you hold on that much tighter to God and say, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to look to you, pass all this other garbage. And those things just start to fade away. The closer and closer that you get to God, the louder that you can hear his voice, the more evident his 
presence is in you. And those other things just don't mean so much anymore. But God will take us from glory to glory to glory and say, I'm going to do great and mighty things through you. So <laughs> my husband, as, he, as I was uh, talking with him about this message and Gideon and the fleece, he's like, I, always, I get worried sometimes, he said, about what people take away from that story, being like, God, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do that for you. That Gideon wasn't just saying, oh, yeah, I'm this awesome warrior, God, you want to use me? I'm going to throw this thing out there, and I need it to be wet in the morning, or I'm not going to do this for you. And then, oh, God, uh, okay, so now I want you to make it dry, and everything else around it is going to be wet, or I'm not going to fight this battle for you. That was not what he was doing. He was saying, Lord, it says right there, I'm afraid. I am so scared. I am shaking in my boots right now. Lord, help me to overcome the doubts in myself so I can do great and mighty things for you, I want to make sure that I am hearing you loud and clear. Yes, that was Gideon's heart. Gideon was humble. He came to God with a humble heart, saying, Lord, I want to do great and mighty things through you. Just please give me a sign. Make sure that I'm going in the right direction, that I'm hearing you clearly. That's the heart that we need to go to God with when we're asking for confirmation. And he will give it to you. Uh, all right. So I <laughs> have this funny little story. Well, funny, you know, I have lots of stories of confirmation. I have, whew, I got tons. But this one really, uh, you know, God brought to the forefront of my mind. And it's so funny because it happened here in this church. And it's something that, you know, I haven't really used before as an illustration, but it definitely works in this. So, uh, gosh, we were, we were only here in this church for a year and a half, and God moved us quicker <laughs> onto things. And, um, but during that time, you know, we did a lot of growth we did a lot of asking God for confirmation because what we were doing, you know, my husband was making a lot of money and he was serving the Lord at this time while we were in Texas and uh, we were happy. We were really happy. And then God rocked our world and said, hey, you know that calling that I gave you a long time ago? It's time to answer it. So my husband quit his job and we sold pretty much all of our possessions. I mean, we had clothes and stuff, but furniture and house, all that kind of stuff. Said, so, okay, God, we're stepping out in faith, and we have no idea what we are doing. <laughs> we know how to pray. We know how to love on you, and we're just going to take it one step at a time. So this is the kind of things that I was feeling. And uh, it was in that time that we were here, and Cameron was interning under his father, Pastor Norm, that the message that morning, and I believe it was Pastor Norm that was speaking it, he was talking about the importance of coming to the altar. And 
I was questioning that because I, I, I mean, I wasn't, uh, how do I say this? Okay, I was questioning my understanding of that, coming to the altar. Like, Lord, I don't understand. Why would it be different for me to have to go to the altar, like physically, than just being where I am? Because you are with me no matter where I am all the time. So can you give me a little understanding? Is this something that we really physically, that there are times that we need to do? Or is this just one of those things that we do because it's always been done and we're just in the habit of it? And I I was very open with, um, you know, talking and asking. You know, God wants us to ask questions, okay? If there's something we don't understand, God doesn't want you to just be like, Okay, like the kid in class that's like, do you all understand? And the kids are nodding their head, but they have no idea what just happened or what the teacher is teaching them, okay? <laughs> Thankfully, I have, well, out of my, both of our daughters, our oldest, who is 20, and our little one, who is 7, they are both love to ask questions, <laughs> especially when they are, like, in school. And if they don't know, they're just like, um, I don't understand. And you know what? That has gotten them very far. <laughs> okay? They've never just been like, oh, yeah, okay, let's moving on now. They're not afraid to ask questions. God wants us to ask questions. So I was asking questions, okay? I'm asking God, praying about it. Is it important really to physically go to the altar? And then uh, after, it was, yeah, then I was helping count money in the back that day. And I was, I think it was my mother-in-law, Barb, and Peggy. And I was asking them, you know, what their experience was with going to the altar and what that means and their take on it. And I was just humbly asking. You know, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be sure about these things. And then that evening, that's back when we were doing uh, Sunday evening services, we were um, doing praise and worship. And uh, I, uh, Peggy was standing next to me, and I felt this hand on my shoulder, and just like a little nudge, not a shove, but just a, an assuring nudge to go to the altar. So I uh, opened my eyes and turned and looked. Peggy wasn't standing there. In fact, nobody was standing there. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I believe you. Yes, I will go to the altar. (laughs) I just felt a physical touch from the Lord. Okay, I believe you. (laughs) And then from there, I would just continue to seek God. And okay, I believe that we need to do this, but I want to learn more. That, you know, was a time for me. Now, I have not had that happen before that, and I haven't had it happen since then. God knew what I needed at that moment to reassure me, to give me confirmation that, yes, there are times that we physically need to go to the altar. God knows exactly what you need in just that moment. And that's what happened for Gideon. There's no other place that I read in the Bible other times where somebody threw out the fleece. 
twice to get confirmation. That is what God knew that Gideon needed to confirm what he was going to do through him at that time. God will find you right where you are. Amen. All right, so now we are on number three of the four C's. Consult. First, I had the word consultancy on there, and my husband said, that's a stupid word. Why don't you just say consult? Okay, fine, whatever. You've been doing this a lot longer than me, so I guess I'll put consult. I love my husband. Love him very much. But we think about things really different. <laughs> but he has been doing this a lot longer than me, and I was like, okay, whatever. They mean the same thing, okay? Consult, consultancy. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I get this little rabbit trail thing going on, especially when my husband is sitting right there because he'll give me looks and stuff. I'm like, what would you give me that look for? <laughs> I'd love to be interactive. You know, teaching youth for seven years, it was always question and answer in an interactive thing. So I'm still getting used to not getting questions constantly through it. So if you've got questions, throw them out there. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so we're on number three, consult. It's important to have someone who's wiser than you in the ways of the Lord to consult when you're learning to discern the voice of God. We have an example. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So, <laughs> thankfully, we have been surrounded with those who are wiser in the Lord than us. Uh, Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb, just to begin with. Um, and many others that, you know, we, like I said, we came into this, oh my gosh, how many years ago was that? Like 13, 14 years ago, being like, we don't know anything. And then God slowly showed us, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Come on. My husband and I, first met in church, Mount Hope Church Lansing. Uh, we met doing ministry. So Pastor Norm was a children's pastor there at the time. My mom and dad, crazy, crazy parents that they are, crazy fun most of the time. Uh, so my mom used to make these like wild costumes and things. In fact, I heard they just used one here, the giant tongue costume which was replicated after my husband's lips and tongue, if anybody wanted to know that. <laughs> my mom would keep saying, Cameron, come here. I got to see your lips again, trying to figure this out. <laughs> and uh, my husband was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so uh, my mom and dad uh, loved doing skits and teaching in children's ministry under Pastor Norm. And it was a harvest party, I believe, that we were doing. And uh, Cameron and myself were both cleaning up after the harvest party. And I remember, this is so funny because he doesn't remember this whatsoever. He had his keys. He was like 14, 15, and he was just learning how to drive. You know, when you're a 14, 15-year-old, especially boy, you got to make sure that you got keys out everywhere. <laughs> And he was taking the key and scraping the floor, trying to get the tape up from there. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> and so I went and helped peel tape off too. 
But we met in church doing ministry. So there's been times that God's like, don't doubt this. You've been doing this for a long, long time. You just didn't realize always what you were doing and what I've been teaching you and bringing you along the way. All those things aren't mistakes whatsoever. They're all ordained by me. They have a purpose. So even scraping tape off the floor after a party is ministry to God if you're doing it with his heart and mind. Amen. So now uh, I think I gave enough time to get to 1 Samuel 3. That's something I'm learning too. I like will say it and then start reading. And then I'm done reading before everybody gets there. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, 1 Samuel 3. The boy, Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. What a great illustration of something so simple as learning to hear the voice of the Lord. And what an amazing blessing that Samuel had to learn from Eli. Elijah had gone through some amazing things at that time, and Elijah definitely knew how to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. We need those kinds of people in our lives that can help us to discern and find our path as God is calling us to those things, right? And don't forget that as you're on that path, there are going to be others that need you to help mentor them as well. As you learn these things, pass it on. There will always be somebody who knows less about the Lord than you. And there will always be somebody that knows more. We need to be able to mentor others and be mentored by others. That's how we all work together as a body, helping each other along. So um, I got this picture <laughs> in my mind. I get 
funny little pictures in my mind, but God made me this way, so, you know, I embrace it now. So, uh, when we are born again, and, uh, you know, we're saved by the Lord, we don't automatically get downloaded with everything there is to know about God, right? (laughs) To me, the way I pictured this is if it was like that, it would be like when we are born and come out the womb physically as infants, coming out and say, hey, yo, mama, what's up? That was some hard work. You must be hurting about right now. Ooh, I am really, really hungry. Can you give me something to eat? Hey, daddy, what's up over there? It's not like that, right? If our babies came out like come on, get out. <laughs> we come out and we learn along the way. We learn how to speak, how to understand, how to conversate, how to socialize from most of the time our parents, right? It's the same way when we are new children of God, to learn from those who have been part of the Lord's family longer than we have, right? Don't be afraid to consult, to ask questions when you're still uncertain about things. All right, and now we have made it to number four. All right. This one, um, at first I just had the three points. But this is something that, if there's, well, I mean, they're all important. They're all from God. But this is definitely um, deep. I don't know how else to say that. Uh, Number four is communion. So first I'm going to tell you how I got to this. So... We were at family camp, uh, was that, like a month ago or so. Great time. I encourage y'all to get there. Uh, it'd been a long time since we'd been there, but we were already signed up to go back next year to be in a group of like-minded Christians just wanting to hear from God, get away from the hustle and bustle of everything else going on. Our little ones had such an amazing time. Uh, Elea, our youngest, already wants to work there when she's older, just like Audrey did. She did everything there was as if she didn't get a chance to do the rock climbing wall. But man, she was up on those high ropes and stuff. She's seven. And at seven, she's barely moved into a size five to wear. She is just a teeny little thing. But she was up there climbing those ropes with like no fear. My husband was like, oh my gosh, I don't know where she gets it from. My husband's afraid of heights. You could not get him up there. No way. No way. So, anyways, little thing for family camp there. Family camp is awesome. If you get a chance to go, do it. Uh, Not only does family camp, but other opportunities to get away to be listening for God. To let all the other things in life just kind of put them on pause and get away with the Lord. Um, So while I was there, Wednesday evening in the service, um, I had my notepad out. In fact, it was this one. I don't take notes, like, 
My husband takes notes, puts all of his points down. Pastor Norm does that a lot of times. That's their way of remembering things. My husband is like, because otherwise I can't remember a thing. Um, for me, if I do a point-by-point -point thing, I have no idea what they're talking about. All I know is whether or not I've got things spelled correctly, if they're uh, grammatically correct. Uh, I'm totally distracted by that. It's the perfectionism side of me. So for me, it's better to just sit, listen, but I always have something there to write down if God gives me something. He's like, hey, I want you to write this down. So I'm in an atmosphere. I come into those times listening for God. And this is something he gave me during Wednesday service. Had absolutely nothing to do with what the speaker was speaking, uh, other than just being in an atmosphere where I was listening. So God gave me this. June 30th, 2021, God said to me, you are in communion with me always. Don't be surprised that sometimes when you stop to listen, I don't have anything new for you yet because you've already been listening, my child. You've done so well on this journey, and I am so proud. It's okay to sometimes just rest in me and let me reassure you that you've stayed the course. We've come so far. Celebrate. Oh, that was such an awesome feeling. <laughs> because for me, Yes, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm ready to hear from the Lord, but I'm also bracing myself a bit because it's usually like, oh, you got this big thing right here you got to deal with. And a lot of times this is something that I didn't want to peel back or have to dive into at that time. And so to come to a place in my life now, 42 years old, where God's like, you can just rest in me right now. You're doing great. <sighs> that is so awesome, Claudia. Oh, I got to tell you, there's so many times in my life that I did not think I would ever get to that place on this side of heaven. Now, I know that God's not done with me, but he gave me a resting place. And um, <laughs> to be honest with you, when I'm writing this first part of this, so God says, you are in communion with me always. As I am writing it, I stopped before I wrote the word communion. I said, God, are you sure you mean the word communion? Uh, are you meaning like you are with me in spirit always? You are in conversation with me always? You are, and God's like, no, I mean communion. So I'm like, okay, well, God is God and I am not, so okay, I'll write this down. Make sure you write down exactly what God's here, what God is telling you even if it doesn't make sense to you at the time. Because if you don't, all you're going to get is more of yourself. Right? So trust in the Lord and what he's saying. I've had enough of myself. Trust me, I don't need any more of it. I am so ready for God to just be whew, completely filling this body. So it actually took me a week. And I went back and read this again. I'm like, okay, first thing I think of with communion is the Lord's Supper and doing this in remembrance of the Lord. But then I thought, 
what if there's more to that verbiage than just what I'm thinking with the physical partaking of the bread and the juice and all of that? So I thought, okay, I'm going to ask Webster and Miriam what they have to say about that. The dictionary, if you didn't get that far. All right, so I look up the word communion. Oh, God racks my world. Oh, I love it when he does this kind of stuff. Number one example of communion. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. God, you did mean communion. <laughs> of course he meant that. Why did it take me a week before I went to look that up? I don't know, probably because I was distracted, you know? <laughs> Being honest with you, just distracted like a lot of us. It answered so many things for me. Because for this last, definitely this last year, I've tried to find a way to explain where my prayer life is. Yes, I, you know, my husband and I try to pray together every day. Uh, we pray with our children. I, you know, have my devotion time in the morning with my dog. Uh, you know, we pray with people all the time, you know, at church, we, you know, we have prayer lines, all that kind of stuff. But there's that's only just a tiny bit of my prayer time. So I'm like, God, how do I explain where my prayer life is? And he summed it up with the word communion. Prayer time, for me, the majority, I'd have to say 99% of it, is just walking with the Lord, doing housework, folding laundry, uh, taking care of kids, walking the dog, snuggling with my dog. I love my dog. I love my kids, too, and my husband. Don't get me wrong. But the dog and I, she don't talk back. Well, she sasses me sometimes when, she, when I've been sitting too long. Honestly, God knew exactly what he was doing. So if I'm sitting too long, and, you know, I've, especially if I got a migraine or something, she might come up and just, rawr, 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 rawr. Kaya, you're fine. Kaya, you're fine. Okay, fine. I'm getting up. I take the dog for a walk or something. Praise the Lord he gave me her, though, because it keeps me from letting myself get in that state where I'm just so worn out and tired. And I always feel better. I feel better (laughs) getting up. Sorry, I rabbit trailed again. Okay, so (laughs) communion is the exchanging of intimate thoughts with God continuously. I, (laughs) my prayer life as a small child especially was singing little songs. A lot of times they were made up. Anybody got little girls around? You've probably heard some made up songs. But sing pure and sweet. And it was a lot of, uh, God, I'm really scared. Lord, I can't sleep. Are mommy and daddy going to get a divorce? 
Lord, will you, will you protect me? Why do I feel so lonely? That was so simple. And one of my favorite worship songs is uh, Good, Good Father. It's because there's a verse in there that says, I've heard a thousand stories of what you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper in the dead of night. That was so much of my life. Before I even knew his name, I knew that he was there. And that he was loving on me and getting me through every moment. From glory to glory. At nine years old, I went with a friend to, uh, to church. And when Pastor Dave said, you want to come down and pray the prayer with me, I'd stepped out into that aisle and before I even knew what was happening. <laughs> it was definitely a Holy Spirit thing. And then I learned his name. And I was like, this is who I've been talking to all this time. God knew that I needed that exchange. Oh my gosh, I would make up some silly stories. I would have entire plays going through my mind. The simplest of things. But it's an exchange of your heart, of every fear, of every ambition, every thought, all the time. In First uh, Thessalonians 5.17, it says, Never stop praying. And I remember thinking... Well, geez, I mean, there's lots of things that we have to do if we're always praying. Have we ever talked to anybody else? The kind of prayer they're talking about here is always being one with God, always listening to the Lord, always speaking with the Lord in your every thought, in everything you do. You can be in prayer to the Lord while cleaning out the cat box. It's not my favorite thing to do, but... I like to think about something else. You know, God and I talk about this. Sometimes I say, Lord, could, why do I have to have two cat boxes for one cat? Could you make her a little less picky? Please, this is ridiculous. You know, even things like that, conversating with the Lord, right? It might seem so silly, but you know his voice and you discern his word so quickly when you have that kind of prayer life with him because you know him so well. He's the most prominent voice in your life. That's where he wants us, each and every one of us, all the time, in constant communion with him, being one with him. I, uh, I saw this, uh, a, uh, where did I say it? 
more like a devotional that Rick Warren had written uh, back in 2019. And I think he did a really great job of explaining communion with the Lord. Uh, so I'm just going to read a, a little excerpt from what he wrote. So he said, You will never develop a close relationship with God by just attending church once a week or even by just having a daily quiet time. Friendship with God is built by sharing all your life experiences with him. God wants more than an appointment in your schedule. He wants to be included in every activity, every conversation, every problem, and even every thought. You can carry on a continuous, open-ended conversation with God throughout your day, talking with him about whatever you were doing or thinking at that moment. The habit of praying without ceasing from Thessalonians 5.17 means conversing with God while shopping, driving, working, or performing any other everyday task. The key to friendship with God, he said, is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. I thought that was really good. So I'll say it again. The key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. What you normally do for yourself, you begin doing for God. Whether it's eating, bathing, working, relaxing, or taking out the trash, do it all for the Lord. When the Bible says to do it all for God, he means everything. It all counts. It all matters. Our attitude really matters. Trust me, I can get a bad attitude sometimes. <laughs> okay. We all can. You know, it's, it's just humbly saying, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. You know, I hear about, <laughs> I, uh, my poor husband, <laughs> sometimes. I, um, well, all right, I'm a woman, first of all. Not to say anything bad about women, but we cannot be like, that with our attitudes and our emotions very quickly. My husband calls them flippy whippy feelings. I used to think my husband didn't have feelings at all at times. <laughs> he does. He's just, uh, God softened his heart. But we were on like two completely different ends of the spectrum. So if I raised my voice at all, he thought that, you know, I was just, oh, super horrible. And why are you yelling at me? I'm like, I'm, I'm not yelling at you, okay? <laughs> so like that, right? But you're not listening to me. Okay, we are, we're going on our 24th year of marriage in September. We've definitely had a lot of those moments, right? We will have those similar moments where God's like, are, are you listening to me right now? And you might suddenly be like, I, I thought I, no. And then God's like, in everything that you do, do it with a great attitude. Clean it out the cat box. Do it with a great attitude. Right? Take, when my kids are fighting again, when Jaden, for the 1400th time, you told them to go get dressed in the morning, 
And seven minutes later, you go to check on him, and he has just barely gotten his pajama pants off. It's like, what in the world have you been doing in here? Right? Everything, even that. And everything we do, everything we think, everything we are, do it with an attitude of praise and worship to the Lord. Thanking God for everything that you have. Everything. We take for granted many things in our life. The simplest of things. One of my favorite speakers is Nick Wojcik. We hear no Nick Wojcik, no limbs. Wow, do we take for granted our arms and legs. Mo myself included, as many of us, we just get up in the morning and do things, taking totally for granted what we really have, right? And then it takes someone like that speaking for the Lord with a great attitude about it to be like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you have blessed me with. And whatever it is that you have blessed me with, who you have made me, use me. Use me, Lord. Take this messy life and make it something beautiful. Mm. <laughs> so there we have the four C's of discerning the voice of God. Number one, contradiction. God will never, ever contradict himself. If it contradicts his word, it is not from God. Number two, confirmation. Do not be afraid to ask God for confirmation. Do it with a humble heart, just like Gideon did, saying, Lord, you want to do great and mighty things, but help me to overcome the doubts in myself. Number three, consult. Don't be afraid to ask those that are wiser and more knowledgeable in the Lord than you to help you along the way to grow. And remember to be that for others as you grow. And number four, communion. Be in communion with the Lord always in everything that you do all the time. That is what I have for you this morning. I appreciate very much you asking me back and allowing God to work in me and through me. I, you know, as I pulled in the driveway this morning and I started walking up here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the one speaking this morning. It still blows my mind <laughs> all the time. Because I was always just like this scared kid and actually, honestly, a lot of times scared adult that has a hard time being in large groups of people. <laughs> like, I'm great on like the small end of things. You know, my father-in-law talks a lot of times about how he loves his quiet time alone. Uh, I believe there were times he said he would be okay being a hermit if it wasn't God calling him out to speak with people. It's amazing what God does. And just like he called Gideon and said, go in the strength you have, he's calling you to use what he's already given you. And that is what speaks volumes. Not because you're already awesome in the eyes of the world. 
right? Because you have a humble heart saying, God, use me in the strength that I have, whatever it is. And he works miraculous wonders. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Father God, I thank you for that sweet, sweet spirit that you have that you just pour all over us, Lord, and let us bask in your presence, soaking it all up. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we leave here today, Lord, that you would just help us to spill over into others what you have blessed us with, Lord. In the simplest of things, and everything that we say and we do, Lord Jesus, let us be more and more like you all the time. Lord, we pray that when the world looks at us, they don't see us, that they see you, that they see Jesus Christ working in us and through us. Lord, let us be a bright light in a very dark world. In your precious name, Lord, amen. Amen.